this is one of those topics that I find difficult to, to preach on because you're here. <laughs> so when I'm talking about, you know, the value of gathering together, it, it sometimes feels like I'm preaching to the choir because you all are faithful and you're here all the time. And that's a good thing, you know. And, and I want to encourage you that, that we should try to get together as often as possible. We've been looking at the different elements of the yearly church theme, which is growing. Now, it's interesting to me because when I was preparing the sermon, I'm like, well, of course, duh, the Christian life is one of growth. But sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we don't feel like we're growing. Sometimes we hate that we're growing, right? Have you been in those seasons? You're like, oh, man, isn't there another way to grow in this, Lord? I don't really want this. But we're going to learn throughout the year how we're going to grow in grace, grow in gathering, and grow in going, which I think all of us would want to grow in grace, I would hope. The gathering and going, we're going to wrestle with, I think, some. Um, but that's okay. I think we wrestle in growing in grace, too, because there's some people that it's very difficult to give <laughs> grace to. Do you have those in your life, or is it just me? Don't point at your spouse if you're sitting next to them, right? <laughs> I know that, that wives have a lot of grace. <laughs> We live in a world that longs to connect, right? We really do. We're made for community. But we continually are living in a world that separates ourselves. We, we just fill up our days with time and things to do. And we are wired, though, to live in that relationship, right? We can look at the Trinity and go, that's a relationship. We can look at how God created man and woman. is to live in relationship, first and foremost, with him, but with one another. But we have believed in this world... And the people out there, not you guys, of course, but we've believed in the lie of individualism. You know, there's been a real big move in Christianity that's just between me and my Lord. Well, not really. God has saved you into his family. And as we were reading in Ephesians the last couple of weeks, that our, that our launching text for the whole year theme is that we are to grow together and build one another up in love. If you're separate, it's hard to grow together. Many people no longer see the need to gather together with other Christians. And there are some various reasons. I don't think they're necessarily wrong. Um, we just need to recognize what they are. Some people have been hurt by the church. I know a lot of people that were really just like, I just don't like the people in the church. This person did that and this person did that. And, and they allow that seed of bitterness to grow. And if bitterness is not covered by forgiveness and, and removed by forgiveness, it will be a monster that is just horrible. Some people have been tainted, and we kind of talked about this a little bit in Bible study this morning, by legalistic, which is rules and outward requirements. Do this, do this, do this. If you don't, you're not a Christian, right? We, there, I mean, some of us have interpreted that way over the years. And we've been, some people have been tainted by false religious systems. You know, if you've come out of of a, of a cultish practice or a, a church that is, is not centered on Jesus, when you hear the word church, you're like, man, I just don't want anything to do with that because you have trauma and, and things trigger that trauma. And so, to, you know, we need the Holy Spirit to help us get through that so we will walk into a church that preaches Jesus and that loves on you. Some do not grow up in church. I mean, that's a, a common theme we have today. You know, I grew up in maybe... Well, I haven't grown up yet, but um, I, well, as I was growing up, 
many of my friends, you know, about half of them were plugged into churches. My kids' friends, maybe a quarter of them were plugged into churches. And now I don't, this other generation, I would be surprised to see if, if 10% of them are plugged in to churches. I hope that that changes, right? Some do not see the value in spending time with other believers and discover other options of busyness and entertainment. I can't see how they can't see the value. We laugh every, every Sunday morning. I mean, it's just refreshing. You can't help but just go, this is good to be together with these people. It's wonderful. We live in a culture, too, that idolizes children and kids. That's why I sent the kids away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but kids become what dictates their schedule and their weekly routine. You know, and I never want to put a guilt trip on anybody, but it has always amazed me with Christian parents when church becomes an option to a child when they're living in their home. I don't know, again, I don't get the battle, um, and so I don't want to not empathize, but it's just interesting to me that this is a thing in our culture now. Um, and we just need to recognize it. This is actually happening in our culture that kids get to dictate the schedule. Some have simply just got out of the habit of going to church. My intention, again, is not to make us feel guilty because, you know, we, we have enough law when we look in the mirror, right? We see ourselves and we feel bad enough about ourselves. But what I want us to do is go, you know what? Church is valuable. Gathering together, Jesus said, is when two or more are gathered, there I am also. So it could be hanging at a restaurant with a few other people. You're gathering together, going out for coffee, going to see a football game together, go catch a softball game together, or a baseball game, or whatever you, you want to do, doing it together is important for your Christian walk. I don't want us to feel guilty, suppressed, or feel that we're only acceptable to God if we attend church regularly. I will tell you this, though. If you attend, attend church regularly, you'll find a little more refreshment in your step. At least that's my intention. And I want to make sure that we provide that here. So, I mean, I don't want people going to church and go, oh man, I feel horrible when I left. <laughs> you, you know, because there's a lot of churches you can go to that you can feel that way. But there's so much joy that Christ has given us. We have to talk about some of these subjects. They're a little uncomfortable. But at the end, it's like, God, you have brought us into this beautiful family. Thank you. God did establish this church for a reason. And it's no wonder that the church is under attack. But he established a church to help one another and to build one another up to grow in your faith. You cannot do it alone. Again, I want to read Hebrews 10, 23-25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now listen, we know two things. Well, we may know more than that, but we know that today is one day closer to the return of Christ, right? It's just the fact. It's one day closer, one breath closer. We also know that today is one day closer, one breath closer to the end of our lives here on earth. And so, you know, we know that the day is drawing near. It's near every day. Now, again, we don't want to sit there and go, oh, when is the day happening? Because that gets us sidetracked, but let's just look to Jesus. But the first point, gathering agitates and inspires. Now, you're like, yeah, probably. Now, you might be wondering how agitation can be a positive concept. 
Well, the best analogy I could come up with was in a washing machine. You have a cycle that's actually an agitation cycle. It's, it's moving things around to get the soap and the water all mixed in to get the, the, the clothes as clean as they can. This word stir can also be translated as to irritate or incite. Now, how many of you are like, yeah, I'm going to go irritate somebody at church today, right? <laughs> Hopefully you didn't say that. But if we look at how, what that means correctly, maybe we will want to come irritate some, somebody when we gather together. Most of us can agree that coming to church can be quite irritating at times, right? We've done a good job in our society of defining words in a negative light. Irritation is not always a negative light. So pearls are found when a parasite enters the clam, and the clam begins to secrete this fluid as a defense mechanism against that parasite to combat that irritant. Over time, the fluid hardens, and a beautiful, smooth pearl is now in place of what was originally irritating. So it's a good thing. There's a beauty that comes out of this thing that happens from this irritant. When we gather together, we help defend against the irritants of this life. And the washing of the word that we have in time of service, and when we speak to one another, encouraging them with the word of God, will result in a beautiful gem. So irritation is not always a bad thing. It's okay. Now, I'm not going to send you off here. We can say, now go be irritating, right? We're not, <laughs> that would be, a, you know, could be taken incorrectly. But we must understand that God has saved us into a family. You will hear this from me often because I believe so wholeheartedly that we need to understand we were not saved to be an individual Christian. We were saved to be part of the body of Christ. And every person has a place and a value in that. And I'm not going to talk about place value. I know school has started. But place and value into that body of Christ. So we must know that when we've been called into this, that we are commanded actually to look for ways to inspire one another to love and good works. We're not inspiring somebody to get upset. We're not trying to irritate somebody so that they'll feel awful about themselves. How can I help you be loving and desire to do good things out of just the overflow of your love for God? So I guess there is a challenge for us. Am I willing, this is a personal thing now, Am I willing to be agitated so that I might grow in love and good works? And a lot of times that's why people don't come to the gathering because they're like, you know what, I'm convicted. Or, man, I just feel like I'm less than because all those people are so good and I just failed this week. So we need to go, how can I lift one another up this week? When I see you, how can I say, hey, you know, the struggle's real, right? It is. It's not just brownies that are a struggle. It's just the struggle is real. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Now, when a smelter works with metal, like silver and gold, he will continually remove the dross, the imperfections, uh, those things that have gotten into the metal. So he heats it up really hot to where the metal is actually a liquid, and he keeps removing the dross until he can see his reflection clearly in the melted metal. God uses his church to help one another in the process of that refining, removing the dross, so that you and I will reflect the nature and disposition of Christ. Now, before we get too excited, it's not for you to sit there and start taking imperfections out of people's lives, right? That's, that's the, God the Holy Spirit's working on that just fine. Our job is to encourage them that, hey, you're in this process. It's a great process to be in because why? Because God is working in your life so that you will directly reflect his nature 
and the very disposition of Christ. And I think we, we're all like, oh, Christ is perfect, which he is. Christ is God, which he is. Christ is a great example, which he is. I can never live up to be like Christ. You're right, you can never, but God the Holy Spirit in and through you will draw you to a place and continually bring you to a, more places where you're more and more like Jesus. The church in Antioch was the first called Christians because they were acting like Jesus. Christians can mean, you know, like Jesus or little Christs. They weren't proclaiming to be Christ. They were saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the model. And they knew that it was the Holy Spirit that helped them do that. We need that. But we're in this process together. Each one of us is in this process. And as long as you're breathing, you're still in that process. Sorry, don't get discouraged. But you're still in the process. You know, I love what, what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 7. I keep doing the things that I, I don't want to do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And he was old when he wrote that. God was still working on that refining process. But Paul knew that I can't do this alone, that I need to be with other people, because thanks be to Christ, right? So it always goes back to Christ. And when we're going through that refining process and we're feeling down about our, our Christian life, when we get together, we're able to go, hey, look up. Christ is there with you. He's here right now. Let's get excited about that. The work of the Holy Spirit will, though, continually agitate those areas that are contrary to God. It's cleaning them out to bring us to grow in love and good works. Christ, you know, is, we're told as husbands you're to, to wash your wife with the water of the word like Christ does the church, pouring his word over you to cleanse us, to make us blameless, to be acceptable to God. Second thing, gathering is a habit. Now, I'm going to read you some statistics, which are quite shocking, I think, anyway. Maybe you'll be like, yeah, that sounds about right. But there's been a lot of recent studies on church attendance. The recent studies reveal that regular church attendance is now considered to be 1.2 times a month. Which, you know, for those, of, and think about this, if that's average, think about those of us who are here almost every week. And then you, it's like when you look at the average size of a church, is like, you know, I think between 40 and 70 now. It depends on which one you read. Think of all those mega churches that are out there and how many churches of 10, 20 people there are that make that average. But if 1.2 is now the average regular church attendance, there are some people you won't see but every six to seven weeks. And I think most of us in here go, yeah, that's about right for some people. And what's interesting is they're not going and attending other churches. They're just not going to church because they still consider whatever church they go to, well, that's my church. And when I do go to church, that's the church that I go to. But it's, we need to understand this is the culture that we live in. Not to get discouraged, not to get frustrated, but to go, okay, this is the battle that we're in. People are being distracted. Another study asked for reasons why people do not attend church. 44% prefer to worship on their own. That's that lie of individualism. You know, if I worship on my own, I don't have to deal with other people, right? I mean, that's pretty much what they're saying. It's just me and God. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to think. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to live. Don't encourage me with the word of God because I want to live sometimes contrary to that, right? So if we're worshiping only ourselves with God, we won't look at some of those scriptures maybe. That's what I love about the church calendar. Well, we're going to look at these scriptures. It wasn't my choice, <laughs> you know? must have been God's. Sorry, don't blame me. 
I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot me. 36% don't like organized religion. I get that. Sure. A lot of people that have come out of very legalistic religions that are just, you know, very overbearing. But again, it still feeds our individualism. Don't tell me how I need to behave in church. Don't tell me what, how we need to worship. You know, that's, that's the, it come, becomes personal rather than going, wait a second. We're just all trying to seek God together. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to love on him. And our attitude when we approach gathering together is really what matters. But interesting statistic. 33% say they just haven't found a place of worship they like. Because it's all about you, right? I mean, again, that's what it is. Have it your way, Burger King says, right? You, you know, and, and so, you know, we, we, you know, I worked at Starbucks for a while, as many of you know. And I am fascinated with the amount of combinations people can make up in their mind to get the drink that they only want because I want my drink. And it's not because they really prefer something that, that, that is that different than everybody else. They realize, I just want to be catered to, catered to, and it's my individual choice because it's my drink. I don't have a caramel macchiato like the next person next to me. I have, you know, triple foam, extra butter, caramel, three, you know, whatever, right? And you're like, are you kidding me? How long did it take you to get to that conclusion that that's your drink? <laughs> right? And it's like, well, come on. But we want to feel special, so we get our own drink. Nobody else orders this drink. And in fact, if you tell somebody to go to Starbucks and order that drink for you, they're like, I'll never get that right. You'll have to come with me. <laughs> you know, that's really what it boils down to. And then you see a new barista, you're like, oh, man. You know, this isn't going to happen. All right. This is the most interesting statistic that I read this week. It really actually shocked me. Only 19% stated that the reason they do not attend church was that they don't have time. Only 19%, which is shocking to me. Because most people say, oh, I'm just so busy, I just can't fit that into my schedule. Or, I, you know, man, the kids are doing this, and we have this, and we're involved in this, and, and the, the trees are calling my name, or whatever, right? You know, I heard the fish. Did you hear them? <laughs> and again, I'm not, I'm not opposed to people doing weekend activities, and I'm not saying that, that you have to be here at church every Sunday. I'm not saying that. But I do am saying that I think that God has ordained the church that that would be the exception and not the norm, which has become normal for a lot of people. And so we need to understand, well, these, this is kind of what we're dealing with in this culture. So it's not that people just don't have the time. It's simply that they choose to do other things because they find more value in other things in other places. This has been on my heart for years. As I've just, I used to get really mad when people didn't show up to church. And so to your benefit, God dealt with that years ago. Um, but I, you know, when I was leading music and you know, people are like, oh, we love church, you know, and then I don't see them for two weeks, and you know, I'm, I'm standing up there leading the first song, I'm like, well, where are they? And so I'm leading angrily, right? You know, which is never, should have gone to Seattle for the grunge scene. But anyway, but I'm leading angrily, and, 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 and the Lord's like, why? He goes, they're missing out. You should, be, you should be heartbroken. You should be grieved. You should be like, oh, man, we're not complete. We're not whole, and they're missing out. Now, again, they're on vacation. Go on vacation. Enjoy. Take time off. We have a couple people here today that I know are like, hey, this is our last weekend before you know, we're in it, so we're going to take off. And I'm like, go. Enjoy. Have a good time. We need to start acknowledging and believing that we contribute, though, to the spiritual health of the church. 
and that we are gifted by God and play a vital role in the lives of others. And I fear that some of the problem in our culture today is that churches have built this idea that everything's taken care of and we really don't need you, just come receive. Church is a participatory action. We contribute to it. We help one another. Most people in a lot of churches now just come and say, give me, give me, give me, feed me, feed me, feed me, make me fat and I'll leave. Right? And there are seasons in your life where I think that's okay. I'll try not to get too stray off my notes too much because this is a passionate topic of mine. There are seasons, I think, where you know it's just rough to go to church or just some things are happening. Work schedules sometimes, you know? You got to work, but are we praying together and helping that person say, hey, man, I hope your work schedule changes so you can be here? Or, you know, we have something on Tuesdays and Thursday nights you know, after, you know, September 10th and 12th, you know, that you could go to, that you can gather with other believers. Maybe you have to go to work at like 1030 or 11, so you can't come to the service, but we have a nine o'clock Bible study. Oh, you know, none of those things work for you? What, what time works for you? Can we get together and have coffee or can we do lunch every couple of weeks or something? But we don't see one another as valuable enough for that. When we come to gather together, whether it be Sunday morning or throughout the week, we have the opportunity, and I believe the command, to encourage one another and to contribute to their joy in Jesus. I get filled up when I hang out with other believers. You know? A couple of you come and see me just about every week, and I'm like, yeah. You're like, Do you have time? Sure. Sit down. Let's talk. Let's hang out. I love it. It's fun when I, Tuesday you know, mornings and, and I come in and, and, and the ladies are just having a good time. You know? Most of the time, right? Except you stick your finger with a needle maybe every now and then. That's not too fun. But, but you know, it, it's not, it, I mean, the quilt is great and the banners and stuff is great, but, but the real thing that's the joy is we're gathering together and we're, we're sharing life together. You guys know things about one another that you wouldn't have learned on a Sunday morning. And it's important. So when we pray, God, what are you inviting me into today? We're also asking this, Lord, how might I contribute to the successful life of another believer? Or another person. They might not be a believer. They might need to know Jesus. How am I, how am I contributing to that? We have become so individualistic that we do not understand our desperate need for community. If you don't understand your desperate need for community, go to Facebook. I don't strongly encourage it, but if you have a Facebook account, which I do, it's, it's a weird thing. People want to be connected to people. People want to share stuff about their lives that means a lot. I mean, it's funny, I made some uh, breakfast waffles or something a few weeks ago for Lara, and she's like, oh, before I eat all of it, let me take a picture of it. And she, I'm like, you know, you hear, I told her, I said, you hear me all the time, giving people, you know, telling people, I don't really care what you have for breakfast. But it's something that meant to her. And other people commented like crazy. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, I'm like, okay, great. You know, awesome. I guess people do care what I ate for breakfast. <laughs> okay, fine. But the question remains, how do we encourage others to discover value in gathering together? That's the million dollar question for the church. How do I get, what do we do that when people hear, they're like, oh, I feel connected. I feel part of this and I can't wait to come back. Now, we can contrive all kinds of programs, cute advertisements, and I'm not saying those things are bad, because I think we are in a world that we need to have a little bit of outreach. We need to have a little bit of, of, of this is who we are in the community. 
But unless we are relying on the Holy Spirit and asking Him to do the work, we labor in vain. You know, it's really easy for me to be task-oriented. Let's do this, 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 and this. Great, let's go. And I have a wonderful wife who tells me, okay, you can do all those things, but what's most important, Kirk? Okay. That, the, that people, that I pray that people are responding to the Holy Spirit, that people feel loved when they walk in these doors, that people feel cared for. And that doesn't matter what anything looks like. People will go where they feel that they are loved and that God is present. This is an interesting thought. We are only as welcoming and encouraging as our grumpiest member. <laughs> Wait, don't put that on me, right? But, you, but you've been told this before, that you're only as strong as the weakest link, right? But it's true, you're only as encouraging as wel- welcoming as your grumpiest member. And, and now I'm not asking you to name anybody, okay? That, 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 let's, not, let's not go home and go, okay, so which one is the grumpiest in our church? No, let's not do that, right? Some of you are like, I already know. No, just kidding. No. <laughs> but when we do gather together, are we looking for ways to encourage one another and help one another find more joy in Jesus? If this is the focus of all of us when we gather together, we will want to be with one another more often. If we know, man, there's so much grace, we're just growing in grace, and there's so much joy, that's attractive. People want that. This does require following the words of the Apostle Paul to consider the needs of others above your own. That's hard for us. This is a great challenge because we love ourselves. That's why I almost have a hard time with that mirror being back there, because I'm like, I'm supposed to look at myself the whole time. <laughs> Fortunately, there's some words, and it's, there's, it's kind of skews, so, you know. But we love ourselves, and we live in a culture that seeks its own. But nothing's new under the sun. King Solomon wrote about that. Everyone's out for their own, and all's vanity. Lastly, gathering is, <laughs> or should be, but it is encouraging. This should be the goal. Now, some of you might disagree that it's encouraging because some of us have had experiences when we go to church, it's just not encouraging. I've had seasons when I've been in, in ministry where I'm like, oh, man, I was going through health issues years ago, and I was the, the, on Wednesday nights, you know, you go to work, I was bivocational, you work, and then I go lead music on Wednesday nights. And I was just, for a year, I was just, I'm like, I, I can't go to church. I'm just so tired. And yet I had to, right? You know, no one's going to lead the music. And so I would get there, and because of God's faithfulness, I'd be so glad I was there, and I would be rejuvenated for a little while. But it was really, it was a real struggle to get there. Some of you might have had seasons like that. It's like, oh man, I'm just struggling going to church. But what I pray is that when we do have that victory, because we do have the victory in Christ, and the enemy is going to do everything to, to, he can to keep you from going and hanging out with people and increasing your joy and making you stronger and having a firmer foundation. So when you walk out there, your, your light just shines because Jesus has is, is filled you up. But if our intent is when we gather together is to look for ways to consider others and build them up so that we might all grow in love, the result is a longing and a dependence on one another for spiritual vitality. You are being depended upon, by the way, for other people's spiritual vitality. Don't put that trip on me, Kirk. I don't want that. Well, you are. 
you know, if I came and prepared on, for Sunday and I showed up and nobody showed up, do you think that would build my spiritual vitality? And you know what? It's funny. When we planted a church, there was the first summer after we planted it in January, and the first summer there was one Sunday that was just Laura and I. People were on vacation and whatnot, and and people are like, well, I hope it's you're going to put the the message on on the you know on the web page, which we did. And so what Laura did, this is funny, you guys can laugh, but she made a few extra noises because during the summer, what I did for the kids was I had a little activity for them to do because they sat in service because children's ministry was so difficult. And so I had little activities every week for them to do. Okay, now do this, right? So they were building hand puppets one time and door hangers, but I included it in the sermon. And what was funny is, so she's making more noise than she normally would. And the people list that were on vacation, they said, oh man, we listened to the message, that was great. And man, who all was there? Because it sounded like there were people there. <laughs> that was Laura. She <laughs> but actually, we, we knew that was gonna happen, so we were ready for it. But, but if that was every week, Laura would be like, I'm tired of listening to you, you know? I love you, but come on now. <laughs> now, if I may be so bold, Maybe we could take the time to allow the Spirit of God to work on our hearts and give us a mind and heart for one another. Even if you show up every week, we still need that work, right? We still need, Lord, I need to consider others. I don't want to just come to church because, well, I'm in the habit of doing it. By the way, great. The habit of coming to church is great. I am a result of a habit of coming to church. Your kids will be a result of a habit of coming to church. Your spouse will be a habit of coming to church. You need to do that. It's good to do that. But if we only come and say, great, I did it this week. Awesome, I must be good with God. Please don't. Actually, I'm not kidding, still come. But allow God to work on your heart to go, wait a second, I'm coming to contribute to the body of Christ. I have family members here that are in crisis. There are people that need to be encouraged. There are people that are going through something that they'll never tell anybody, but through the discernment of the Holy Spirit, I can know, man, they just need to be loved right now. I just need to smile at them and give them a hug and shake their hand and say, hey, I hope you have a great week. Just little things like that. Or I'm praying for you. We cannot will ourselves to love others. And we cannot just say, okay, I'm going to consider the needs of others. We can't do that. It won't work. We need the help of God. I'm so grateful that when God clearly states how things are to be, he does not expect us to accomplish them in and through our own strength. You know, because the standard that God has required for all of us is untouchable in the flesh. We cannot do it. We are desperately dependent upon God the Holy Spirit to work these things into our lives. If we don't, then we're going to fail. And I'm glad because now the pressure is not on me. It's on God. In fact, we cannot love one another. I can't even love my spouse correctly in my own strength. You know, that's a funny thing about love. You know, you think you're loving somebody until after seven or eight years, you realize, okay, I was really selfish in this love. Maybe some of you it happened quicker than me for realized that we were being selfish, but we need to be understanding that help is readily available from God, and we need to rely on that. And we need to encourage each other to rely on that. Yeah, you know, don't rely on yourself. As we pray... May we acknowledge that he has saved us into a family that needs one another. May we have the willingness to seek how we might help one another grow in our faith. I mean, do you think that? Hey, you know, Larry, I want you to grow in your faith. Delane, Doug, I want you to grow in your faith. Is that your heart for one another? Hope you guys are like, Kirk, I want you to grow in your faith. You're like, we definitely want you to grow in your faith, Kirk. No. 
but I need that. Sometimes this means that we need to find how we can practically meet the needs of others. Practically meeting the needs of somebody else can be really spiritually vital for their lives. This means that we truly need to genuinely care about one another. And that comes from responding to the work of grace in our lives and a walk that we will now walk in those works that he's prepared for us. There are many people that consider this their church home that need encouraging. Was it Easter? You had 65 or something, 68, something like that. And, and I'm told everyone, this was their church. They need encouraging to be here. It might mean you send them a note this week. It might mean you, you call them on the phone, stop by, say, hey, we miss you. I'm not telling you to do that. But if God's <coughs> telling you to do that, then I want you to do it. There are people in the supermarket, schools, workplace, neighborhoods, and all the community outside of our church community that need to know that God loves them and that when Christians gather together, they build one another up and fight for one another's joy, and they grow in love. Wouldn't that be great if that was the reputation of our church? You guys are building one another up, and, and you're fighting for joy, and man, you guys are growing in love. And I'm so blessed because I think that we have a lot of that happening. You guys, you know, we're a small church, but we're pretty mighty. I've been pretty impressed. The history of this church, you guys have held in. One of the ways, and I, I'm going to harp on this a bit because that's just what I do. We, start, we launched this in two weeks. The books are in the back. Don't let a suggested donation stop you from grabbing a book. Don't let a suggested donation stop you from, from getting plugged in. Doing everything we can to make this available. So as a church body for seven weeks, six and a half weeks basically, we're all going through the same thing every day. There's daily devotionals in here and they're not long. I mean, they're not that long. You know, spouses, you could share a book, but there are some spaces for personal reflection, so you might want to grab your own. But there's a lot of ways we can gather on, you know, we're going to go through the book on Sunday mornings at 9, and then the sermons will kind of address kind of what we're looking at that week, just to expound a little bit on it. And then when we gather together, you'll have individual time. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, please sign up so Laura and I can plan for dinner on those nights. Um, if you're going to come to a Tuesday or a Thursday... Uh, our home is safe, you know, it's clean. Um, we love, I love hanging out in, in places that aren't necessarily a Sunday morning. I think sometimes we let some guard down a little bit and we'll talk a little more freely. Um, if you're not in the habit of coming at 9 o'clock and you're like, that's the only time I have, say, Lord, can I commit to seven weeks to come at 9 o'clock and hang out? You know, it, it, by the way, it's not homework intensive. It's not like, you're, oh man, I don't want to have it. It's like, let's discuss what God's doing. Let's talk about this. And like Meg and I always say, we laugh every time. So, right, it's fun. And we build one another up. Again, as much as I can impress and as much as I can emphasize without making you feel totally guilty and worthless if you can't participate, please do your best to make one of the offers we have during those seven weeks. Again, so Tuesdays and Thursdays, there's a sign up in the back. Another way we can encourage people is to help with children's ministry. I'm so blessed we have um, six people right now. That includes Laura. So six people that have responded and said, yeah, I'll serve one, one, one you know, every few weeks. 
I would love to have two more. And maybe you're like, oh man, kids. No, it's not that. We're always going to have two people, which is my goal, is I want two people so it doesn't feel like one person is trying to you know, herd cats. Uh, my goal is that, is that we have two people that are serving our kids and loving our kids. And, and you know, I don't want you to, to be put in something that you're uncomfortable with. If you know somebody he, that's not here today that would probably want to do that, reach out to them. Say, hey, contact Kirk. You know, let them know. If you are here today, we have a brief meeting afterwards um, just to give you some brief information to not overwhelm you so in a couple weeks you're not feeling like, okay, now what? So, I believe that God is always speaking. And I also believe that as we hear what God is saying, that we have the opportunity to respond in the strength of His, of his Spirit. So let's just take a moment and allow His Holy Spirit just to... to to reveal some things. It might not even be something that was said explicitly in the message. And I think that a lot of times we need to realize that. Just because it wasn't said doesn't mean that God's not working on that. We've availed ourselves in this moment to say, God, I set this time aside for you. So let's take a